Father God, we just come before you tonight. Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you today, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you just uh, meet us here, Lord. Use Pastor Bill, Lord, as uh, an instrument of righteousness tonight, Lord. Draw us closer, Lord, to your will. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Now I can see you. <clears throat> now I can't. Uh, my name is uh, Bill Marshall. <clears throat> I'll just tell you a little bit about who I am. Uh, I am a pastor. I'm ordained. I've been pastor now for over uh, 30 years. I was ordained in 1985. Before that, I was a uh, professional athlete. I was a. Uh, I had a chance to go to the 68 Olympics in boxing, I turned that all down. I was a tennis pro. I um, moved to California where I got saved at the age of 33. I started preaching within two years after that. Uh, Mary, my wife, we have been married for 36 years. We have two girls. I have a son who's 45. Um, pastor asked me to uh, preach. Uh, I, I'm, this is, I'm not going to preach here. I'm just going to actually do a Bible study. I'm not going to preach. This is going to be a Bible study. That's what this is all about. I love the Old Testament. And uh, that's one reason why he asked me. He says, will you go up there and speak about, about the Old Testament? I said, anything? He says, yeah. I says, okay. So this is going to be basically anything. <clears throat> I'm going to ask a question. Oh, let me, let's have a prayer first. Father, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. I pray as it is given that our hearts and our minds be open to your words. We'll accept them in our lives. And through it, they will apply them to our lives and you would be lifted up and glorified. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at, uh, in Micah, that's in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at, really, at... Um, one person and that person that we're going to look at because if you look at the first chapter I mean the first verse it says the word of the Lord which came to Micah of Morseth in the days of Jotham Ahaz and Hezekiah kings of Judah which he saw concern, concerning Samaria and Jerusalem what Micah is about oh, first let me ask this question like I said this is a Bible study so let me ask you a question what is the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet. What? Precisely. Nothing. Not at all. We, we have, uh, people made a distinction between a major prophet because they had more words, they say, or more verses in the Bible and all this kind of stuff. But technically, a prophet is a prophet. God didn't call Mike and say, you're going to be a minor prophet. He said, you're a prophet. Simple. You're a Christian. You're not a minor Christian. You're a Christian. Am I correct? Same thing here. So there's no difference between a minor and a major prophet. That's one thing. If they like to divide it up, that's up to them. If they want to do it, that's great. But it was nice to know when I found that out. I said, well, I'll be darned. I said, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I didn't know. So I looked it up. I said, well, now I know. 
There is no difference. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Why would God have a minor and a major? He does have minors and majors, but not like that. Anyways, I'm going to speak about one person because a lot of times people always wonder um, what happened to Samaria. Micah talks about how Samaria is going to be destroyed. And so that's what we're going to talk about, how Samaria is going to be destroyed. But a lot of people don't understand why was it destroyed and who got it going to be destroyed. And you're going to be kind of amazed because it's like a, I'm going to go like it now like a history class. But first I want you to turn to 1 Kings. Keep your finger in Micah, but I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 11. Don't, leave, don't lose Micah. Now, all of you had, or should have had, but at least this little flyer that has the king of Israel and Judah. Am I correct? All of you have had that? Have you ever stopped to read, when you read the Bible, and you read about all these different kings, and you're saying in your mind, who are these people? Where did they come from? Have you ever thought about that? I know when I first started reading, I go, now, who is, who is Hosea? Who is Isaiah? Who is Ezekiel? I said, who are these guys? And how come they're overlapping with this guy here and that guy there? I said, why are they always overlapping? I had, I had no idea who they were. So I was totally confused. Well, until you start studying about it and find out what the circumstances are. Because, see, at first, there was one, there was one Israel or one kingdom or one, yeah, one, one kingdom. And that kingdom was in the southern part of Jerusalem. Of, of, of Israel, I'm sorry, of, of Israel, which was in Jerusalem. That was where Saul had been, David had been, Solomon had been, and all this kind of stuff. Let's backtrack a second because I want to talk about Saul, for example. Saul was the first king of Israel. But when Samuel went to this, the people went to Samuel and said, Samuel, we want a king over us. We don't want God to be over us. We want a king. Samuel said, you are making a big mistake. You are making a huge mistake. God said to Samuel, he said, Samuel, this is in chapter 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8. God said to Samuel, don't worry about it, Samuel. They're not talking about you. They're talking about me. So they got a king. Saul became king. God told them exactly what this king what this king would do. He would take their food, he would take their daughters, he would take their men, he would take everything they had for himself, which he did. They, he left them some, but as a king, that's what he did. Solomon reigned for 40 years. He made a lot of mistakes. So God took the kingdom away from him, and he gave it to who? Who? David. David became king, and he was a great king. But David made a lot of mistakes. He was, in the, he was in his castle, looks over there, and he sees Bathsheba. Big mistake. Has, the, has her husband killed. God says, that's a no-no. But the difference between Solomon, I'm excuse me, the difference between uh, Saul and David, David went on his knees and said, Lord, I'm sorry. And he asked for forgiveness. And he was a great king. Then he had... Solomon. Now it gets interesting. 
this gets interesting. Because, see, this is where the division of Israel takes place. Is with this man right here, Solomon. He, is, he was the most brightest man that ever was. But my question to you is this. If he's the brightest man that ever was, how can he have 700 wives and 350, 350 concubines? Do you know the trouble I have with, with one? <laughs> I don't know how people do it with more than one. I really don't. And this guy had, I say, a thousand wives, let's put it that way. How could he ever manage that? But he was the brightest there ever was, but that was his huge downfall. Huge downfall. So now we come into what's going to happen. There was a man, if you look on your paper right there, you see in Israel, it says Jeroboam. You see that? Jeroboam was the first king of Samaria. He was the king of the north. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, because Solomon died. Let me backtrack for a second. Solomon, uh, Solomon wanted to kill Jeroboam. Let's look at 1 Kings. I'd like to have you look at uh, 1 Kings 11. Have you got it? Now, the thing is, is this here. When I do a Bible study, I ask these questions. I ask who, why, when, where, what, how. Who, why, when, where, what, how. I ask those. Okay? One, why did Solomon forsake God? Look at verse 4, chapter 11, 1 Kings 11, verse 4. For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord God as the heart of David his father had been. His wives. Solomon was old. Gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something about your wife. If she really wants something, she's going to get it. I don't care who you are. If she really, really wants it, you lost. She either has to flash those baby browns or baby blues at you, whatever she does, but she, you, you are gone. Can you imagine when uh, in the Garden, the garden of Eden, when, Adam, uh, when uh, Eve went to uh, Adam? Adam. Will you please take a bite? I can almost picture that. Adam, please. Can you see that? How many of your wives say, hon, please, and just pout, please, droopy eyes, please. And then you go like this. <laughs> they do it, guys. They do it every time. Now, you may think that you rule your house, but you don't. You don't do that. You don't rule it. They do. They may give you everything that you may think you're ruling it, but deep down inside, you're a loser, buddy. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm going to give you just a fast thing. I play a lot of pickleball. 
I don't know what this has to do with this anything, but they show you how women work. There is a number of ladies in here who play pickleball. They play, I won't mention any names, Lynn Woosley, I won't mention any names, but anyways, she plays every Thursday. And she plays at 5.30 every Thursday. And she'll play till about 9. Well, I get there around 6.30. So one day, the guys came to me. They said, hey, Bill. I go, yeah. Will you ask those girls to move off that court? I said, I'm not going to ask them to move off that court. <laughs> I said, there are seven of them. I said, there is no way that I'm going to ask those ladies to move off, those, uh, off that court. What I'm saying is this, that when they want their way, they're going to get it. So we let them play all the time. We let them play over on that court. And every Thursday, they're there, and no one bothers them until they leave. Now, I'm going to say this also. If one lady gets in a, in a conversation, there's maybe 100 guys, and one lady comes in there, we're done. She wins. She melts everybody's hearts. I don't care who it is. Anyways, I don't know why I got in that one. I was just going on a roll there. So anyways. So we have all these ladies. Solomon, he, fors he, forsake, he forsook God. Look at verse 5. For Solomon went after Azareth, the goddess of the, Sol the Solonites, and after Melchum, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. And Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is in east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also he did not he did for all his foreign wives who burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. God had told the people of Israel, do not mess with any of the people. When they came from the promise, when they came from Egypt, they were going into, into the promised land, God says, do not mess with those people. Do not mingle with those people. But they never listened. Because he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go mess around with their gods. You're going to do all kinds of things. Now let me ask you this question here. Do you understand what these people were doing at that time? Do you understand what they were doing? What? Disobeying God. Worshiping other gods. Come on, what else? Sacrifices, yes. What else? What? What'd you say? Say it. Come on, say it out loud. Listen to their wives. Yes. I want you to be part of this, okay? To be part of this. Don't be afraid to answer us. Understand what these idols were. These idols were detestable idols. They were sacrificing, and God, God called it fornication. And fornication that they were doing was gross. They were killing their kids. They were killing, there was a sacrifice, they had detestable things upon the altars. They were doing all kinds of things. When God said, did he totally or utterly destroy a certain people, that's what he meant. Now, let me ask you this question. God said to certain people, he says, I want you to go, matter of fact, he said to Saul, I want you to go. I want you to go to kill the men, women, children, and all the animals. Totally. I want you to wipe them off the face of the planet. He didn't do it. Question. Is God holy or mean or unjust or what is he? He what? 
holy. Now, why did God say kill the men, women, children, and animals? What? He knew what, what, what was going to happen. Yes, he wanted all the people to be removed. And what did you say? They would mix the other people. He said, yes, he did. He also said kill the kids. Now, kill the kids. Why kill the kids? What? Bloodline. But what would happen, what would happen to most of the kids, especially if they were age of accountability? Well, what? But if God killed them, where would they go? Heaven. So that's kind of justice and love right there, right? Why did he say kill the animals? Come on. Why did he say kill the animals? Sacrifice, what else? They were unclean, what else? You know you want to say it, but you won't say it. They were having relations with animals. Yes, that's the one that's the, that was going on at that time. Understand this. It's going on now. It is going on now. We have adultery and all kinds of things. You know, just anything that's put before God is an idol or adultery or whatever. The same thing that was going on then is going on now. There is no difference. Only thing we have a different name for it. And we think we're civilized and we think we're a little bit uppity. No, we're no difference. No different whatsoever. So, why did Solomon forsake God? So we got that. <clears throat> why <clears throat> did Israel split? Look at 9 through 11. Why did Israel split? Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and he had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded him. So the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. That's interesting. And the servant that he gave it to, you see that king over there on the first one over there? You see that first king on what it says? Northern, the northern tribes? That was Jeroboam. That's what God gave that to. So the question is, who was Jeroboam? Look at 1 Kings. Oh, by the way, if you really want to understand what's in the Old Testament, I mean, really, read 1 and 2 Kings, read 1 and 2 Chronicles. It tells you everything you need to know what's going on. I love those, those, those books. When I, had, when I got confused, when I started reading, I said, who is this, who is that? And when I went there, it lightened up. It was like a light bulb that came on. I go, oh, man. So that's who these are. It was made a big difference. It'll make a big difference to you, too, when you start reading it, because now you'll say, oh, okay? Where am I at? Oh, Jeroboam. Look at 1 Kings 11.26. Who was Jeroboam? Then Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zerda, 
Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zura, a widow, also rebelled against the king. Now understand this. Jeroboam really did not rebel against the king. What happened was a prophet, Ahijah, I'm sorry I said it wrong, but Ahijah, he went to Solomon. He said, the Lord is going to give you ten. He says, he had a coat on. He took the coat, ripped it apart. He said, take ten pieces. The Lord is going to give this, these ten tribes to you. Solomon wanted to kill him for that. Because he, he knew that his son was not going to become king, but Jeroboam was. So there was a division right there. Okay, there was the division. So now we have Jeroboam is going to get these ten tribes, and then there's Roboam, Solomon's son. King Solomon dies. So it says here, I have my next question is, what did God promise Jeroboam? Look at 1 Kings 11, 31. We're going to read 31 through 38. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces from thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give you ten tribes. But he will have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for all the, all the tribes of Israel. 33. Because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Azeroth and the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the sons of Ammon, they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, observing my statutes and my ordinances, at his, at, as his father David did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose, who observed my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom from his son's hand and give it to you, even ten tribes. But to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may have a lamp always before me in Jerusalem. So in other words, God told Jeroboam, he says, I am going to give you ten tribes. Those ten tribes would be, does anybody know? I know I'm going to cheat and read it, but does anybody know who they were? I'll tell you anyways. Reuben, Simon, Ishkar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Ephraim, and Manasseh. Those are the ten tribes. You ever, heard, you ever heard of the ten lost tribes? That's them. The ten lost tribes. Okay, that's them. They're not really lost. God knows who they are, where they are, when they're going to all come back together again. He knows everything about them. So what did Solomon want to, uh, so why did uh, Solomon want to kill Jeroboam? Because he knew that his son, Jeroboam, was going to become king. Now, in 1 Kings, we're still looking there. We're going to look at uh, chapter 12. Let me, let me go back a minute. A little, little story, a little history about the Jeroboam. Jeroboam was, uh, was, the, was the king. And Jeroboam, when Solomon had died, Jeroboam went to Jeroboam. He said, hey... The elders went to Jeroboam and said, hey, if you will be, treat us nice, we will serve you forever. 
and everything will be hunky-dory. These are the older, older guys going to Rolbam said, hey, this is what we'll do for you. So Rolbam said, let me think about it for a couple days. Come back to me in three days. So Rolbam goes to his young guys, you know, the guys who are hip, <laughs> the guys who, his guys who supposedly know everything. Have you ever noticed how sometimes young guys think they know everything, but they really they don't? Have you ever noticed how your kids think they know everything, but realize that mom and dad's a meathead until they get to be have kids of their own, and they realize, wait a minute, mom and dad must have knew what they were talking about. We got that one a lot of times. So anyways, he goes to Robum, goes to his, his people. They said, treat him worse than your dad did. So he says, I will do that. Big mistake. So Jeroboam goes back. He says, okay, Jeroboam, what's the, what's the situation? He says, I'm going to treat you worse than what my dad did. Shouldn't have said that. Anyways, Jeroboam gets up, he leaves, and he goes to Samaria. When he goes to Samaria, Jeroboam is going to get gets ready to get, have a war, to go make war against all these tribes. God says, no, you're not. They are your brothers and sisters. Leave them alone. So he did. So now we have Samaria. Have you always wondered where, why, what was going on in Samaria? Now you know. Because the Samaria was the capital of the north. Jerusalem was the capital of the south. Does it make a little more sense now? So what happened? Jeroboam ends up being, you know, God told me, he says, I'll give you everything and anything. Only you have to do is be obedient to me and listen to me or what I have to say. He says, and I will give it to you forever. That's all he had to do is do what God had to say. That's all. All right? Look at verse, look at chapter 12, 25 to 33. This is Jeroboam now. He's got these 10 tribes. He's up in Samaria. Look what he does. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And we went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Roboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Roboam, king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and, said, and he said to them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold, behold your gods. Now, do these calves remind you of anything? What does that remind you of? The wilderness. So didn't somebody build a calf in the wilderness? Then they say this is the one that brought us out of the land of Egypt. But this is what Jeroboam is saying right here. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that have brought you up from the land of Egypt. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He set one in Bethel, and the other one he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses in the high places, and he made priests from among 
all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. Another mistake. He's taking the common people and having them be priests to go preach and to serve in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, temples in which they had, which was wrong. That was a sin against God. They weren't Levi. By the way, let me ask you another question before I go on. What was the Jews' job? What was their job to do? All the Jews. What was, what was their job? Does anybody know? Come on. What? Spread the word. They were, they were to spread God's word, but they never did. All right, we got that. Verse 31. And he made houses in high places and made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which is in Judah. And he went up to the altar, thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made. And he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, even in the month of which he had devised his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar who burnt incense. In other words, what he did was, instead of going down to uh, down to uh, uh, Jerusalem and worship in the temple, he built his own. He was afraid that if he, if the people had went down to the uh, went down to the kingdom to Jerusalem, he would lose his kingdom. But what did God tell him? He says, "If you will follow me and do what I say, he says, oh, the kingdom is going to be yours." God doesn't take anything away. Once He gives it to you, it's yours. If you accept him as your Lord and personal Savior, is he yours? Is he going to take it back? No, I saw the sin that you did. I'm going to take it back. No, God doesn't do that. He said, if you obey me, he says, I will give you everything you want, Jeroboam. But he didn't take that to heed. He says, I don't, I can't, I don't trust it. I, I just can't see it. So I'm going to build my own. So he builds these two castles, one to Bethel, one to Dan. That is where everything started right there. That is where all the idolatry and everything else started. It went rape, they went rapid. If you ever looked at that paper, you'll notice there were 19 kings in the northern kingdom. Not one was a good king. Not one. Why? Because they were worshiping everything underneath the sun. I mean, they were, this is literally they were doing this. I mean, everything under the sun. They were sacrificing their kids. They were doing all kinds of bad. It was bad. That started, look at your paper, that started in 931 B.C. By the time 732 B.C., actually 722 B.C., Samaria fell to the, uh, to the uh, uh, Assyrians. Now, do you, know, do you understand who the Assyrians were? At one point, they were the they were the leaders in the world. But I'll tell you about the Syrians. They were some gross, mean, hateful, spiteful, no mercy of people. When their king said, title, uh, when their king said, uh, wipe them out, they did it. None whatsoever. But the Assyrians also did this. They would take the people that were in that country, 
and they would disperse them all over the world, the world in which they had conquered. And so they would have, a, they would leave a, a small remnant of Jews, of the people who were there, they would leave them there. So what would happen then? Look at this, listen to this. I looked this up. Are you ready? Listen to this. The Assyrians sent five eastern tribes to live in the northern Israel, Samaria. These five tribes brought with them their own foreign religions and customs. The tribes were sent with the purpose of dis diminish diminish diminishing the Israelite identity and culture. The eastern foreigners intermarried with the remaining much depleted Israelite population. This hybrid people group was the beginning of the Samaritans. Why did the Jews hate the Samaritans? Now you know why. Because they weren't Jews. Do you know they also had their own Pentugent? They also had their own book? This is why the Jews hated them. Because see, they were part of them at one time, but now they're all mixed and mingled up and all this kind of stuff. So that's why... So that's why the Jews hated them. But at the same time, God said, I'm going to wipe you off the face of the planet because of what you were doing, of who you were worshiping. I can't have that. If you really stop and think about God, he really is a gracious, gracious God. Me, I would have wiped them off the face of the planet when they were in the desert. But he didn't. I'm glad he didn't because if I was God, I wouldn't be here right now because... <laughs> <laughs> just think how you know at 33 coming to know the Lord it took me a while so I'm glad of his grace and his mercy that I can come to him I'm really glad of that so now you know why Samaria Sir, I need to look at something let me go here okay I couldn't see the clock. <laughs> so now you know why Samaria was destroyed. And so now you know why they were called Samaritans. So the ten tribes were dispersed all over the world. Okay? And wherever they are now, we do not know, but God does. So now we go over, so now we look at uh, Micah, we go back to Micah. Verse 2, in Micah 2. Oh, now who were these kings? Does anybody know who these kings were? In verse 1, it has Joath, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Two of these kings were good. One was bad. Jotham was a good king. Ahaz was a bad king. Hezekiah was a good king. They were northern kingdoms. They were down in the northern, excuse me, they were in the southern kingdom. I'm sorry, they were in the southern kingdom. So let's look at verse 2 real quick. Hear all peoples, all of you, listen, O earth, and all that it contains, and let the Lord be, let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Verse 3, for behold, the Lord is coming from forth from his place. He will come down and tread on the high place, places of the earth. Hear all ye people means all people, that includes us today. The message is relevant for our day because certain principles are laid down. 
So you might say, what principles? So that's my question to you. What kind of principles did God lay down for us? Commandments, yeah. What else? Love the neighbor. Well, those are the commandments. But he taught us also how to live and to love everybody. Am I correct? Let me ask you another question. I was going to do this earlier. A lot of people will say that the Jews have nothing to do with anything, that they're a, a waste. Some people think that. But have you ever stopped to think who wrote the Bible? Who wrote it? The Jews. Who is it to? The Jews. Have you ever stopped to think about that? If you kind of look at it, I try to, when I read the Old Testament, I try to put it my eyes from a Jewish standpoint. Makes it a little bit more clear. Because see, as Gentiles, we don't understand all their ways and all their customs and stuff like that. But if you try to put it in terms of being a Jew, it makes a little more sense. In other words, your eyes kind of open up a little bit more. You understand what I'm saying? So when you read the Old Testament, I, to me, I just find it, understand, if you, if you read the Old Testament and you don't understand something, I always told the people when I was pastor, I said, if you don't understand something, skip it. Come back to it later. If you don't understand it. I've read the Bible through many, 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 many times. Sometimes when I first started, I had to skip a lot of stuff. Then I would go back, when I read it, read through it again, I'd go back and read it again. And it's amazing what God shows you. And I don't care if you read something a hundred times, it's still amazing how God, your eyes are open up. You go, I didn't see that before. I must have read this thing a hundred times. But the eyes are open, so God will, so God will use you to, so you can see his word. And so this is what Micah has, he's telling us there. Micah gives us a philosophy of human government. He deals with that which is false and that which is true authority in government. <laughs> yeah. What about our government? I'm not going to be political or anything like that, but I just say it sucks. Excuse me. But... We do have a great country that we have to have to live in. We are blessed to be in a country like this where we can worship God openly and freely. Yeah, we have a lot of meatheads in here, but that's okay. That's all right. Our job as Christians is still to be a witness to everybody who's out there. Since the Jews weren't being a witness, our job is to be a witness. We are to be a light to everybody who's out there, whether in the government or not. We are to pray for all our leaders, whether you like them or not. We are still to pray for them. And that's what our job is as Christians. We are to love all. I know sometimes we look at it, we go, can't stand that guy. I hate to submit. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I meant it. Forgive me, Lord. But it does happen. The thing is, we need men and women in government who have character. And I believe the only way we're going to get there is that we pray them in there. That's just me. Is it going to be perfect? No. No. But if we're praying for him, God is going to be with us. 
And let the Lord God be a witness against you. Witness against what? Judgment. The judgment. Tread upon high places of the earth. High places represented locations of idol worship, set in groves and on hills and in the mountains. Understand, they had worship places all over the place. They weren't just in temples. They were like forests. I mean, they were just every place, every block. It was like brothels. I mean, that's what it was like. I mean, there every, every place they had these uh, quote, quote, temples, whatever you want to call them. This is what was going on at that time. This is what's going on right now. There is so much going on right now, it is just unbelievable. If you, there's anything that you want to know, you can get it off that internet. I don't mean, I, don't, I, I mean any. It is just unbelievable what's on the internet. Sometimes I'm afraid to go on that thing. I really, no, I'm serious. I really am afraid. Sometimes I don't want to press the wrong button because if I press the wrong button, something may pop up that I don't want to see. And, it, and that has happened once or twice. Oh, gee whiz. Anyways. Verse, now I'm going to skip down to verse 9 because I'm almost done here. Like I said, this is just a Bible study, so I just want to skip a little bit. But I want to go to verse 9. For her wound is incurable, for it has come to Judah. It has reached the gate of my, pe of my people, even to Jerusalem. There is a time, there is a point, when God says, that's it. No more. There is a time, there is a point, when a person will not be able to accept Jesus anymore. In other words, God says, he takes his hand off him. He says, you're done. I have given you every opportunity to come to know who I am. Every. You have rejected it. You could cry all you want. You could do all the things you want. But he says, my hand is off you. Now, when does that happen? I have no idea. I don't know. But at that time and point, you're a total reprobate. You cannot come back. There is it's like an invisible line. Guy says, done. You're done. So we want to be very careful. If there's somebody in here who has never accepted Jesus, this might be your last time. I don't know. Because you've heard it many, many, many times. And I have an evangelistic heart. I want to see as many people saved as I possibly can. If you don't know Jesus, now is the time to come to know him. If you have backslid or backslidden, now is to come back and to serve him. If you're not reading your word, reading his word, start reading it. If you're not praying, Start praying. You may start off with a couple minutes. That's all it takes, just to start. But you say, I don't know what to say. Well, tell him. Tell the guy, he said, Lord, I don't know what to say. You already started. And let it go. Me, personally, when I pray, I never pray for myself first. I always pray for myself last. Because if I pray for myself first, I won't get to anybody else. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. 
If I pray for myself first, nobody else has, has a chance. I need to tell you this quick thing. I usually pray for everybody in this church. I used to have a list and pray for everybody name by name. Can't do that anymore because there's too much change and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, what's the, what was the pastor? Who, he's, he's gone right now. What was it Pastor? Not Eddie. What was his name? Who? No. Who? No. Who? Who? No. There's one more. Alan. Yeah, it was Alan. Pastor Alan. Pastor Alan. Pastor Alan. Sorry. Sorry. Pastor Alan came to me. Uh, <clears throat> we were talking one time. And I said, well, Pastor Alan, I said, I pray for you and everybody here. I pray for you guys every day. He goes, I really appreciate that, Bill. And I really do. I said, I said, I said except Saturday and Sunday. He goes, what do you mean, Saturday and Sunday? I go, hey, dude, that's my time off. I pray for you five times a week. Sundays and Saturdays and Sundays, mine, babe. I pray for my family and I pray for other things. He looked at me and says, are you serious? I said, I am dead serious. I pray for all you people, Monday through Friday, Saturday, you're on your own, babes. <laughs> Sunday, I take a rest. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Sunday, I take a rest. And then I start again Monday. So anyways, if you're not praying, praying. Pray. So my thing to hear is, since we are just about done, if there's someone here who has not accepted Christ, do so. It's really very easy. The only thing you have to do is ask them to come into your heart. Simple. I've had many people say, is that all you have to do? That is it. Mean it with all your heart. Ask him to come in your heart, and he will do the rest. To say, do I have to change? No, you don't have to change. He will change you from the inside out. He will change you. If you're a backslid, get right, guys. Start reading your word. Start praying. And if it's just five minutes, start doing so. If you have to walk around the block, pray then. I do that all the time. But you guys are in my prayers. So I want to thank you very much. Thanks.